Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Woman Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Melissa Washington, your host of Women Veterans in Business. Our show topic today is consulting, speaking, and writing for profit. And our leading lady today is Lisa Furman. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning from Texas. How's everybody doing? All right. All right. Hey, first of all, thank you for your service. And I just wanted to read a quick bio. Uh, Colonel Lisa Carrington Furman retired from the U.S. Air Force as its most senior Latina officer, a speaker, writer, poet, advocate, and Bronze Star decorated combat veteran. Founder of Carrington Firmington LLC, she writes and provides consulting services in leadership, veterans, transitions, military sexual trauma, and diversity inclusion. Her poetry provides intimate reflection into the invisible wounds of MST, PTSD, trauma, hardship, and combat. Author of Stories from the Front, Pain, Betrayal, and Resilience on the MST Battlefield. Author of a late. Tina Warrior's Journey, a collection of poems, arts, that, and this is projected to come out November of this year, and we're definitely going to talk about um, your upcoming publication that you have. And also, she is the founder of the University of Texas at San Antonio's Office of Veteran and Military Affairs and the UTSA Top Scholar Program. Welcome, welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much. I appreciate that introduction. All right, so let, let's 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 go back to your um, your Air Force career. First of all, why the Air Force? Why did you join the Air Force? Well, a lot of like a lot of us, um, kind of legacy. My father was in the Air Force. He was also Navy, uh, but he was in the Air Force the longest of the time, and that always was the branch that I thought I would come into if I came into service. So you went there, and you went the officer route. I did. My, and my dad was enlisted, and one of the things he said to me was, if you do come in the military, you know, I really want you to come in as an officer. I want you to get your degree first. Uh, I became the first person in my family to get a college degree. So he really pushed uh, me to get that degree, and, and after that, um, he came up to me and said, hey, you know, what are you going to do now? And I, <laughs> naively, I, I was looking around for jobs, and, and most of them started at, at lower levels, which is very typical for most industries. But I, I was young and driven and said, no, I want a leadership role. Um, so uh, that's when I decided to come in the military. He helped me navigate the, the application process, and I came in as an officer. And what was your primary duties um, in the Air Force? Oh, man. It, it, you know, most of us in the military serve a wide variety of, yes. of, of job descriptions. We almost have an open job description, you know, do whatever when, when it's needed. Um, so I would say my specialty in the military was expeditionary combat support, which means I was an expert at 
helping building up and leading bare bases. So that's kind of what I did in the, in the Army. They refer to that as kind of like the, the Army mayor of the installation, the base. The Air Force sometimes it's called the base commander, the support group commander, that kind of thing. So that's, that's what I ended up doing a, a lot of my career. But I always try to get a staff job in between my, my uh, command position. So I um, could kind of touch base with what's policy and, 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 and at the higher levels and then never forget the boots on the ground. Because that policy and decisions that are made in the Pentagon, where you know, I used to work, uh, definitely impact the boots on the ground. So I thought it was real important for me to, to have both. Oh, that's, that's great. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about, too, so you, you were in combat. Um, Correct. And of course, mm-hmm. um, with, um, a lot of times people don't think that women are in combat, and you were in combat. And I assume it's part of also, too, when you were standing up a base, and where was that at? Correct. Yeah, I was the first uh, 06, the first full colonel that the Air Force sent to the SUNY Triangle to build up uh, the air base, um, kind of for uh, to create a, basically a strategic air, uh, air hub there. And um, so we went in and we, we you know, put up uh, a tent city, built a tent city. You know, we put in uh, uh, wiring and, and logistics uh, um, communications, you know, copper wiring, that kind of stuff. We, we um, actually put up the first buildings that had um, electricity. So we put, you know, electricity. So when I first got there, there was no running water, um, no electricity, um, that kind of thing. So imagine going to do that type of job, but the whole time you're there, you're being attacked. That was the most attacked air base in Iraq. They used to call it, call it Mortarville. Mm. So when you first went into the Air Force, was your intent to stay in, you know, 20 plus years? What, and then when did you decide, okay, I'm going to stay in and then when did you decide, okay, I'm, it's, it's time to get out? Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, when I first came in, I, I did not have the intention of staying a full, you know, full 20 years or even more than that. Um, I, I, I came in because I wanted to be a leader, and I knew as an officer in the military they would give me those opportunities, challenges. Um, so, and that's exactly what happened. Immediately I had, you know, several hundred people working for me, and I, and I you know, you just sink or swim right away. Uh, they give you great training, um, but it, it's, it's up to you, whether you, you know, what you do with that training, that kind of thing. So uh, I would say because of the challenges that I kept getting thrown at me. Uh, I, I really, frankly, relish the tra- challenge. Um, and, and I was, back then when I first came in, I mean, there were very few women. So I was also trying to prove that women could be leaders and could excel. Um, and, and I'm a Latina, uh, too, so I was trying to prove that, you know, women um, who are Latinas could also lead and excel. So I felt like I, I had a burden uh, on me to, of my gender and my ethnicity to prove that, that, that we could be leaders. And, and, um, and I felt like I, I did a good job kind of proving that, but it did come at some cost. And so how many years total did you serve in the Air Force? Oh, 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. Right. That, that, that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, know? it and kind of boggles my mind now when I look back at it to see how long I served and everything <laughs> that I did. I mean, I, I'm sure most of us do that. They look back on their careers going, wow, I did that and that and that, you know, that kind of thing. I stayed because I wanted to make a difference. Again, I was really trying to prove that, that women could lead. Um, and, and, you know, I was able to do that. Um, it, it was a, an, an amazing opportunity to, to be a leader in the military, as you well know. Absolutely. And, and, and retired as a colonel. Yeah, that's correct. So before you, so let's go, let's go back, you know, maybe you're, now it's like year 29, right? And you know, you're probably going to say, okay, 30 years. What did you want to do when you got out of the military? What was your, 
what did you think? Okay, this is when I transition out of the uniform. This is what I'm going to do. Right. I um, I had several options available to me because, again, in, in the military, our leadership does transfer quite well to a variety of industries. You know, um, so I, I was thinking, okay, you know, I've been like I've been a base commander, which is like a for civilians, it's like a city manager mayor rolled into one. So you know, I'm I'm used to a lot of. Um, uh, of action, I guess, um, and, and um, demands on me and, and professionally. So I thought that would probably be the prime job that I could, I could go to. So I actually, I created a, um, a resume for that. And then I sent it out and I got uh, some bites and, and one in particular invited me to come for an interview. And then I decided, no, that's not what I really want to do. Um, I, I declined the interview, did not even go. I thought, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do something completely different than what I did in the military. Um, so then I just started um, being really open to suggestions, recommendations, and, and you know, you bloom where you're planted, right? The last job I had in the Air Force was um, the ROTC commander at the University of Texas at San Antonio, which is a Hispanic serve institution. So I really felt I was making a difference there while I was active duty, um, helping bring in more diverse officers. and, and Upon my retirement, I was approached by the leadership there to stay on in a capacity as a civilian. So I ended up accepting that role. And I never thought in a million years that I would have been working in higher ed, but I spent 12 years in higher ed, and, and you read earlier some of the uh, departments and programs that I founded. I was able to use my creativity, my innovation, my leadership, uh, because they gave me the opportunity to do that and, and really help that university. So I'm, I'm quite proud of being the founder for several programs, like I said, in a department. No, that's awesome. You, you created your own role. I mean, you created, like you said, you even created these programs and, and with that. So, so during this time, um, or during these first, you know, years that you were there, um, when was it you decided, okay, I'm, I'm ready to, I, I want to write a book? Um, well, I've always wanted to write a book. I mean, I, uh, you know, I had a degree in journalism from years ago, and I always wanted to write a book, but I, I thought my first book would be about leadership. And, and that makes perfect sense for me based on all the experiences I had, right, both in peacetime and combat mm -hmm. and in higher ed. Um, but my first book was not about leadership. It was about military sexual trauma and discrimination and disparities while serving. Um, I just became incensed after the, the horrific murder of Vanessa Guillen in, in uh, 2020. And, and that's when I started really digging deep and reflecting on my own service and, and realizing that I had very deeply some of the very negative aspects, actually sexual assault and quite a bit of harassment uh, throughout my career, especially early on. So I, I felt like it was time for me to finally speak up, and that's what I decided to do. And then so many people contacted me because I wrote an opinion piece that got published, and then it got uh, uh, put on uh, Military Times. So it kind of went everywhere. So people just started contacting me and just telling me their stories. And these are, a lot of them had never spoken their story before. Uh, but they felt like, hey, she, if she can speak up, I can, right? So based on all the people that contacted me, I decided I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to tell several stories. So the book includes 14 stories. But again, I, I, I thought my first book would be at leadership. I never thought I'd be revealing such personal and intimate details of my life and my traumatic experiences. But I did it to make a difference. I felt very strong about that. No. And I'm going to get to that, but we, we just need to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. 
Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. All right, we're back to Women, Veterans, and Business, and with us today is Lisa Furman, and we were just you were talking about your your book and how you thought your first book was going to be leadership, and um, you write, ended up writing about MST. Um, now, and that wasn't your intent. So, your process of going through that, and I know a lot of people talk about it. It's a healing. It's a way to heal. Did you did you experience that? Oh, I did. It was tremendous. Um, but it it was very, it was quite painful, Melissa, mm-hmm. to go through that uh, because not only did I, I mean, I would write a few lines for, for, of my own story, and then I would just walk away. I was enraged at, uh, as, I, as memory started flooding back about what, what happened to me and what I actually experienced. I think we, we, we kind of forget. Um, we we uh, compartmentalize so well to be successful that we, we bury some of the traumatic experiences, the negative experiences that we may have had, and that's exactly what I did. So it really came, uh, it was a reckoning for me to, to face what really I experience, and then also I, I, I will freely admit I was in therapy at the same time um, for both combat-related and MST-related uh, PTSD. So uh, th- that helped me going through therapy at the same time that I was writing the book because each person I interviewed would trigger my own uh, trauma. And then I began, Melissa, I think the commander in me, I began to absorb their trauma. I wanted to protect mm-hmm. them, everybody I interviewed. So I had to really learn about boundaries and about how not to, to get totally absorbed, how not to absorb their trauma. Uh, I mm-hmm. learned quite a bit. This whole process was, was very um, uh, educational for me, informative for me, therapeutic for me. I have made some tremendous lifelong friends from, from these interviews that I did, from them sharing their stories. I mean, talk about courageous. I mean, they were very brave individuals. Um, I'm very proud of all of them that were willing to, to let me into their lives. Again, such personal, intimate details. Uh, because the book spans, you know, 50 years from the Vietnam era to today. There's actually two currently serving active duty people in the book. There's a sailor and an airman. Um, and there's certain themes throughout the book that everybody kind of experienced. So Melissa has had a problem many, many years, decades long, with um, handling, treating uh, survivors with dignity, and then providing appropriate military justice. So we're, we're on the verge of some changes, but uh, it, it's been a very long time in coming, and it's frankly too slow for me. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you there. So tell us about your, your poetry. When, when, did, when did that start? Yeah, that was an interesting thing, Melissa, because I, I've always wanted to write a poem. You know, there's a few things I want to do. I have like my own little bucket list, I guess. You know, a few years ago, I jumped out of an airplane because I wanted to do that, right? <laughs> um, for, for no apparent reason other than just I wanted to do it. Um, so the, I, I wanted to write a poem. So several years ago, I actually tried. I still have the notes for this poem I tried to write. I could not get it off the ground. It didn't go anywhere. Um, and then once I really opened up, became really my authentic self, uh, sharing my experiences with other people, uh, my traumatic experiences, the, the pain that, that I've gone through. Um, it was amazing, Melissa. Uh, poetry just came out of me. I just started writing poems. The first two poems I ever wrote were put on display at the Women's Military Memorial in D.C. I, I mean, I, I just couldn't believe that, that my words could make that kind of impact, right? Uh, but I was writing from a, a deeply, uh, deep intense place of pain. Um, and, and I guess, sadly, a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, now I'm happy to say I can write from, 
you know, from the joys in my life as well. But the, the, the ones with pain and healing all came first. And, and the reason I think I, I started writing the poetry is because I knew it would take a little bit of time before the book would be published, and I wanted to get some of these poems out there to help other people. Um, and, and it has. Several people have contacted me and said, you know, your poem helped me. I didn't talk about my experiences with MST or I didn't talk about PTSD until I read one of your poems. And now I felt like, hey, if you can do it, I can do it, and, and I'm now getting help. So, I, I, you know, if you help one person, then, then, then we've done something really good, right? So I know I'm helping people. And, and uh, by being vulnerable, I never knew I would be so empowered to help others. And how many poems have you written so far? Oh, gosh, I'm over 30. Um, uh, I'm, I'm working on them for this book that I have coming up in, in November. It's called Latina Warrior, and it's basically my journey, uh, you know, from being from South Texas, traveling the world with my father uh, in the service and in my own service time. And it has, has you know, it's, it's humorous. It's intense, explicit at times. Um, I have poems about, you name it, it's probably in there. But I think a lot of people can relate to them. Uh, some of them have a lot of Spanish in them because I, you know, I'm, I'm from South Texas. I'm a Latina. You know, I'm Mexican-American, and I'm trying to honor my culture and my heritage as well. So it, it's been an exciting journey, especially because I've partnered with a, another combat veteran, a, a woman, uh, Army veteran, who um, is illustrating my poems. So the, the collection will be poems, prose, and art, and we're just really excited to be partnering on this. And, and when, when, will we, when could we look for that? Uh, it, it will be published in November this year. Um, the book release and art exhibit will be on 10 November um, this year. Awesome. So since we're talking about that, so just in case our listeners may want to reach out to you after the show, how would you like our listeners to contact you? Yeah, they can go to my website. It's it's kind of long, but it's my name so that I never forget. It's uh, lisacarringtonferman.com. And just going to make sure that it's spelled correctly. It's L-I-S-A-C-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N-F-I-R-M-I-N.com. Awesome. And we'll have a link to your website on the show pages as well. So Thank with you. that, so you've got you've got book number two coming out. You've got poetry um, do you think you'll ever write a leadership book? Right. I think that will be the third book. But okay. I've already decided that I'm not going to write a book next year because I'm reviewing a couple of manuscripts of other women vets right now to help get their stories out there. So I want to um, – uh, I'm kind of like on my fourth career now, Melissa. You know, my first <laughs> career was in the military. Second career was in higher education. My third career was creating my own company, my LLC, to do these, you know, writing, speaking, consulting services. And I am certified nationally in diversity and inclusion. So that was my third. And now I got a foot into my fourth, which is a partnership with my publisher, um, Blue Ear Books. And we're calling it the Veterans Initiative. And what it is is the, the publisher and myself are, are working together as kind of co-founders, co-editors, and, and we're helping others, other veterans, um, tell their stories. And, and not only tell their stories, write their stories, but get them published. Uh, I think it's so important, especially for me, it's important to, to share the stories that don't get widely shared or told. And those are typically, in the military arena, those are, are women in underrepresented groups. So I am real excited that, that we are partnering on this new initiative. So this is like my fourth career, I guess, that part. So I'm excited about it because I, mm -hmm. I want to tell stories. Um, 
uh, real stories. I want to educate the public on the reality of service, both the good and the bad. And there's a lot of good. I mean, the bonds I formed in the military were outstanding. Um, I have folks that, that I know all over the, the world that um, if I needed anything, all I had to do was, was contact them and vice versa, right? Um, I, and I think that's important. I, I think we don't really share how strong those bonds are, you know. Mm-hmm. So with that, so um, so talking to just real quickly, just go back about your LLC. Do, so do you feel that if if someone writes a book that they should look at maybe starting their own a business? And then for you, um, was it difficult for you to set up, you know, your business as a woman veteran, disabled vet, and a Latina? Yeah, well, you know, I did some things right, Melissa, and I did some things wrong. You know, I, I started, I, I'm always, I guess I'm always thinking ahead, and, and uh, I, I continue to evolve and transform. I don't say I reinvent myself. I don't do that. I just take the, the natural talent I have and the skill sets that I have and honed in the different industries I've worked in, and I keep, I guess, transforming so that I stay relevant and that I could help others. So um, I created that LLC several years ago. I didn't really do much with it, um, and frankly, I did it because the state of Texas uh, had a had a program where they would waive the fees for veterans, uh, and it was like a two-year period or so. So I said, "Oh, this makes sense. This is, um, you know, I should do this." So I did it, but I I didn't do, I didn't like I didn't create a website at that point. Um, I, I frankly I did pro bono work for a lot of people. That's what I did, um, and, and then I kept saying, well, when, when I leave higher ed, I, I, I need to actually make this into a business, you know, that kind of thing, and that's exactly what I've done more recently. Uh, I will tell you that I, I, I published this book, and it was out before I had a website created, and that was probably one of the biggest mistakes I made. I should have created a website previous to that. Uh, it would have helped build uh, – help. I, I did great with pre-sales, though, but it, it, because I had a good network, but um, – it would have been smarter, Melissa, of me to have had a website. I just didn't want to have the attention put on me, and, and, uh, and, hmm. which is stupid because I just wrote a book that, that, <laughs> you know, that has such personal information about me um, and my experiences. I mean, I, I speak openly about sexual assault, openly about PTSD in, in the book, and, and here I am saying, oh, I don't really want to do a website because it's going to be, it's going to be attracting people to me, too personal, and I'm, you know. So the business side in me should have overruled the, that particular sentiment. Um, but since the website was created, um, it, it's really helped um, kind of jumpstart my, my LLC. And, um, and that's another thing. I was not prepared for how much the book was going to jumpstart it even more and make an impact. So I, I was overwhelmed uh, for most of last year once the book was published. Uh, I, I I had so many events and requests for speaking, consulting, and, and, and now for training. Um, so I, it just, I had to create like multiple spreadsheets just to keep track of everything. You know, so I've learned so much as an entrepreneur. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm real creative anyway, right? But I, um, and I'm really driven. But uh, there's, I, I have a, I need to write an article about uh, lessons learned and things that I should have done that I didn't do um, and, and what I learned. No, and and you and you guys you gave some great you know, as far as pointers right all these different lessons learned right so you already you already had the book but no website and then some right. people may have the website you know so it's just like you know what do you do first or what do you do at the same time where do you find you know help I mean how did you were there any other resources that you used to help you in your business Yeah um, I 
at the university that I was employed at, UTSA, uh, they had a small business center and they had specific programs to help veterans. So I, I went to utilize those resources. They're out there and, and every, every state, every location, every city has their own different programs, you know, but there are wonderful programs out there. There are people that coach you and walk you through this process, you know. So I, I think that's really important to take advantage of that. Don't assume you know everything, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm still in the process of getting my certifications and I qualify for multiple multiple certifications, federal certifications. So I, I need to uh, continue that process. Um, but yeah, there, there's just, we need to take advantage as women, as veterans, as underrepresented uh, populations, we need to take advantage of everything that is out there. And there is quite a bit. I think that's what's actually difficult though. There's quite a bit, so it's overwhelming to know, who do you trust? Melissa, that was one of the biggest things for me. Is like I had three different people I was thinking of to, to work on my website to create the website. Um, but it, it, it boils down to trust. Who do you trust? Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course their work, their expertise, they're, they're, are they qualified? So I'm happy to say that the person that I selected to create my website and maintain it is a, is a great Latina who is uh, tech savvy and um, is amazing. She walks circles around me in that particular area. That is not my area of expertise. But I think part of being a leader is knowing where your strengths lay and where they do not and then put people near you that actually can, can um, overcome those, those weaknesses and actually uh, help amplify your strengths. And that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. So with that, and we're coming to our, you know, this, this time goes by so quickly uh, with that. But for those that, you know, we've, I'm sure there's people listening that may have some business ideas or they may have ideas on, you know, how, writing a book or maybe they're not even started. I mean, what, what advice would you provide others to help them move forward, whether it's with their business or with their writing or um, what would you share with them? Well, I would say, number one, do not be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. If I, have not, if I did not become so vulnerable uh, with my own story, I don't think I would be where I'm at right now. Um, and that took a lot of courage. I mean, I will tell you, Melissa, it took more courage for me to, to, to be authentic and write my story uh, like I did than to have served in the middle of the Sunni Triangle in Iraq. Um, it, it, just, it was very difficult for me. So, but I think that step outside your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to do that. But you've got to make it, uh, informed decisions. You know, you need to, I talked to several attorneys before I published my book as well because I was talking about a subject matter and I didn't use names of, of harassers or rapists or that kind of thing in the book. I described certain situations and I was very careful to not even list the, the military base that an incident occurred on if I felt like it would be too recognizable. But I did consult with attorneys on this. Uh, that was important to me. Uh, you know, I didn't want my voice, I finally found my voice to tell these stories and I didn't want it to be shut down by something like that. So I think you need to learn the, the, the landscape of, of the environment that you want to venture in if you have a business and you want to increase it or you just need to learn kind of the both the formal and informal rules of the game. And then I think you contact others. I was welcomed by so many business owners um, and a community of authors that I, I was over, overwhelmed. Uh, people who I did not know but who I reached out to or they, uh, they reached out to me, they heard about what I was doing and they wanted to help. It's amazing how many people want to help you succeed. Awesome. And, and you're open to people reaching out to you. On, uh, again, we gave your website. And real quickly, sure. on your, your current book that you have, um, is that on, available on your website, on Amazon? Where could someone look to purchase that book? 
it, my current book is available uh, everywhere. Uh, it's on my website. You can buy a signed copy on my website. You can buy a copy at Amazon or in you know Barnes and Noble, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's available world uh, worldwide. My uh, my first book. The second book will be uh, there's a I have a PDF one page flyer about the second book, Latina Warrior, and that is on my website. So you can take a look at what it's going to entail, and you can see the artists I've partnered with and learn more about her as well. Um, so I'm excited about that. But uh, yeah, so, and I'll make sure that the, the next one, Latina Warrior, will be available worldwide as well. Awesome. So what are, what are your final thoughts, Lisa? Wow. Well, um, I, I guess I just want to let people know that uh, you know, you can do really anything you put your mind to. You just have to have, in Spanish we call it the ganas, the ganas, the desire, the ambition, the drive to get ahead, you know. And, and you just got to uh, press forward. Even though it may be difficult, you just need to press forward. Uh, and, and obviously if you believe strongly and passionately about something, then go for it. And that's, I think, frankly, the good Lord is, 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 um, is my guide on this, this journey that I'm on right now because uh, I've had so many doors open uh, for me to do this. Uh, but you've got to get over your initial, you know, embarrassment, shame, whatever you want to call it, or, or the fact, lack of education in certain areas. You've got to get over all that. Again, there's good people out there who want to help you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, that's our show for today. I'd like to say thank you to Lisa for being our leading lady And special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Woman Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We are expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast. So for now, we'll be back again with another live Woman Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.